This is Power 102 Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Everybody right now caught in the jostle for space in the race, trying to keep up with the pace, but the space ram cram. Everybody is jamming, 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 jamming for a better life, a better way of living. In the meantime, simple things we forgetting, like how to say good morning, morning, neighbor. Thank you, Avery, for our major news. Of course, we have a news brief coming up at 8 o'clock. And that's all courtesy Champlain Auto Services. Thank you so much. All right, and welcome to the second hour of the Power Breakfast Show on Power 1 and 2 Digital. And this is the last day of October. It's Halloween. That's when Wendell, Paul, and Richard... They could just come out in their natural self. Alright. Take a look at what's happening traffic-wise. I should just not give you a traffic update. It's just traffic everywhere. Yep, absolutely brutal this morning. Unlike Friday. Unlike Friday. Alright, so let me welcome the guys back in. Nope, I have to do this. Right. So we're back in. Ouch. I just hit yes, my we're back. And of course, we, this morning we asked on the poll, do you agree that a special sitting of the GSC of Security should be convened to discuss the current crime situation? We had 19 people weighing in our poll. Well, I, I got I got a couple more for you. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh no. I don't have Chris to say saying happy Halloween, Paul in DC to play a mask. Okay. Alright. No problem. Alright. Yeah. Alright. So we have sixteen people saying yes mm-hmm. and three said no. Wow. Sixteen saying yes and three said no. Yep, that's what I got. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of I, t- I did a message back to myself so <laughs> with the numbers. Oh, All right. So sixteen said yes, three said no, and I tend to agree um, with one of the callers who said no and said it's another talk. It'll be another talk shop. I tend to agree with that statement. You think it'll be another talk shop? Yeah, yeah. Well, what 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 could a a a, a JSC? of national security possibly come up with now because there's a commissioner of police in place yeah 
there's a, there, there, there are people in charge of securing the nation. Mm-hmm. How could a, how, how is a national security council meeting going to fix that? So I think and I think is that's what the opposition called for. How are they expecting to propose? They've not supported anything that the government has proposed in crime. What will a national what calling for a national security council um joint select committee meeting of the national security council have um, um offer? What can they possibly offer? I tired of the politics, you know. That's why you're getting out. So you, you, they call for that. They do, the government decide, the National Security Council decide they're not doing it. You, you, you will come now in, in Monday Night Forum and say the government didn't listen. When there is not the National Security Council, hmm? it is not the National Security Council. That's something different. I, I, yeah, I, I, I misspoke there. Is it joint? It is the Joint Select Committee on National Security. Right, right. The Joint Select. Um, committee and, and national security. So you want to come in Monday night forum now tonight and say, you see, they ain't listening. You're giving them ideas. Ideas to do what? Talk? Give me a break, eh? I can't do the politics. Anyway, you all you you did the results of the poll? Yes, we did. I went for my coffee. I apologize. I was absent. Hmm. Yes, I give you the 16 people said yes, and three said no. No. The current situation is is the top of the premises. This is, this is a national, it's a health, it's you, I think, a national health concern. Mm -hmm. I think something in yeah, that Public order. health. Public health, sorry. That's it. That's mm -hmm. a public health concern. And, and it is. I agree with that. Mm -hmm. It is a public health concern. When people are dying at that rate in a country, if we had 506 now, God forbid, the end of the year, we're going to cross 600. Well, I don't know, you know, Paul. I really, exactly. That's scary, eh? That's a frightening prospect. Mm-hmm. a frightening, frightening prospect. And, and it, it is, in, in addition to the loss of life, which is the most important issue, think about the, the damage to our reputation. Yeah. Very much so. Yep. And, you don't, and, you don't. and with greatest of respect to the commissioner, while we could uh, argue about the merits and the merits of the bail bill, which, I mean, will come to the parliament again. The attorney general has made it no secret and he intends to revisit it in the parliament. That is just one tool. Yes. If it gets to that, and it was in your hands before the TTPS, the commissioner was not the commissioner at the time, but it was available to the TTPS before. Are you saying that the crime spirals at those time period was active were the result of something else? Is it a goalpost to changing that much? Well, here why, here why too I can't buy that story, yeah? Because we have heard reports and we have had reports of people calling shot from the prisons, not so? They're not out on bail. Mm -hmm. And they've been, they've been causing the deaths of other people on the outside. By sitting and, and they're sitting in a prison. Yep. So I I don't know. We 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 need to fix the problem. We need to deal with the, the, the information that we have, put it to good use and bring people to justice. That and is the, what we need. Another large part of it, Wendell and Steve, eh? mm. that 
I mean, because people are very cautious and rightly so, is mm -hmm. the fact, and I will say it plainly, that we don't seem to want to hold the courts accountable. No. And the fact that criminal cases take so long to go to trial and go through mm -hmm. the trial is a big part of the problem here. Mm. Yeah, my guest was just once a couple of minutes again. I have somebody online. And, you know, so many other jurisdictions have enacted what they call gun courts mm -hmm. to deal solely with gun-related offenses expeditiously. So once it's a gun matter, it going through that court in three months. Yeah. You understand? Yes. Didn't Jamaica put something in place the other day for people held with guns? Well, I think I need, need to go to Parliament, but um, I think uh, the police commissioner had suggested that um, an immediate 15 year. Yeah. Well, is a Privy Council ruling, eh? You'll keep that in mind. Yeah, that was it. <clears throat> yeah. So, we are, but we have to cut, we can't give up. Well, we can't give up. Option. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I don't know if changing personal health, but sometimes it does, you know? Um, Sometimes when you say changing personnel, what do you mean? Well, we're talking, we're talking commissioner of police, we're talking heads of, of whatever, because the commissioner, all right, let's put it, the commissioner of police from time to time will change around his 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 heads of divisions and so on, right? In mm -hmm. a way of, in, mm -hmm. of of getting them to do something different in, in certain areas, right? We've done that, right? For instance, why? which is why he brought Alexander, in, um, senior superintendent Alexander in charge of Port of Spain because of all that was going mm -hmm. on. I don't know if it has stopped. It may have slowed down a bit when he was first appointed, but I don't think it has stopped. And I don't think anything has changed in any of the divisions by changing them around. We changed commissioners of police over the years. I don't know if that has made a difference. Gary Griffin, we have had international um, police commissioners as well. Right. Gary Griffith, to his credit, did make a small difference. But again, he had the help of COVID. So I don't know that he could take all the glory for all what happened during his time. He certainly had a, a, a bravado way of, of, of confronting people that worked, sometimes, in my opinion, sometimes, right? This, the, the Commissioner Williams and Commissioner Jacobs, along the same mode, they are pen pushers. I think they just... Well, I... No, I, don't, I wouldn't class Jacob with Williams. I think Williams was the worst. I don't class Jacobs with Williams at all. Mm. I think at least, Will, at least Jacob is willing to admit there's a problem. Williams thought he was doing a great job. He was delusional. <laughs> Williams was, right. Something was wrong with Williams' brain. I'm sorry. He was delusional. He thought he was doing a great job. He disagreed with the manpower audit on several fronts when things came in this way. I just thought he was a waste of time. Mm -hmm. And I've always said there's several things, there's a few things that various prime ministers agree with. Manning, Pandey, and Raleigh all agree that Williams is not to be commissioner, substantively. And Kamala. And, and Mrs. Basabi Sessa. Okay. Mm -hmm. They all yeah. agree that he was not to be substantive commissioner. 
he was delusional. I don't think it's fair to judge Jacob and Williams in the same realm. Mm. I want to ask a question. Sure. According to the article I read earlier on from the news, there, I don't have the date because I just snapshotted it. Mm -hmm. The police have charged 1,211 people so far this year for gun related offenses and have seized 580 guns. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I would like to ask the commissioner next time we speak to him, so please remind me. Of these 580 gun seizures, how many operations resulted in that? Mm. Or exercises? You understand? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You understand where I'm going with that? Yes. I want to know if it's a thousand exercises, because police are always an exercise commander, because I'm seeing a lot more police presence out there now. Yeah. Which is mm -hmm. great. <clears throat> I am a lot as well. More presence, and, and they seem a lot more organized, and, and they're not in the usual places. Mm -hmm. which is great so the strategies are to be improving in that realm mm -hmm. but i'd like to know how many exercises resulted in this 580 seizures of course we know you that see, yes. some, some some of them would be multiple guns held in one in one exercise and stuff so you get yes. a sense of the success rate yes with the seizures i think i think i think and then and then number that question to paul would be how many people have been charged with the with, along with these seizures? Well, they you said twelve hundred eleven people. They said so. They said they, they said, gave a figure. They a said figure? police have charged one thousand two hundred eleven people mm -hmm. for gun related offences. Okay, all right. Yeah. So charged. I missed that. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. All right. So the twelve hundred eleven. And, and you know my charged. you know my age old question I always ask, and I've asked this of all the commissioners. Where are the guns that you seized? What have you done with it? How are we sure that they're not ending up back on the streets because of corruption in the police service? Didn't they How have a sure? um, um, destroy them recently? Wasn't there a video of that? Or was I dreaming that? They did. What is this I thing over that. your head? It's Halloween. It's my costume. What is I wrong thought, with you all? I thought that you had on in front with your shirt and thing as your costume. I thought you were playing. No, you um, all you all have your you have your, your Halloween costume on every day. I had to get a costume. So no, as we stream on YouTube, this is my costume. But I'm, I'm a ghost. I'm, I'm I'm not taking a chance putting on my camera because of the bandwidth. I, I don't think I, I think I might get problems. I am a, I am a ghost. I'm, Wi-Fi and Ghana is not best friends, best of friends. Oh, really? <clears throat> well, as far and that's been my experience. Yeah. yeah well, I, I, I won the um, Power Breakfast Show Halloween costume. Steve, is that, is that um, the thing that they use in Islamic way? It's very nice. It's my scarf. Okay, let me take it off. <laughs> A really nice scarf, though. Why am I not seeing Steve then? <laughs> It's my scarf, because you know me, I like to keep my neck warm. So, yeah, it's something like that, Paul. Or well, is Islamic, that they use for Islamic headwear? Yeah, it's, it's scarf it's really nice. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Where did you get that? Um, it's called Amazon.com. <laughs> All right, my guest is ready. You got one to fit your size of head is astounding, but that's a different story. Wait till you get back into the shores of TNT. <laughs> you just wait. Wait till you get back. All right, let me just call my guest. I'm calling Dirk Barnes, by the way. Um, okay. Ouch. I put my phone in my headphones and I hit my head. Dirk Barnes. Oh, okay. Dirk Barnes security, man. Yeah. 
Yeah. I promised him that we we talked to him. I had called him a couple of weeks back. And um and he, he was major do I don't know if he still carries the major. Okay, you guys talk. I don't know what the protocol is on that. I see retired this and retired that. But I don't know what the actual protocol is regarding ex-military people. I think it's I think you can carry the title after you've achieved a certain rank. You can carry that title for life if you after you've achieved a certain rank. Well, well let, sure let's you. ask him. Uh, good morning, Duke. How are you doing? Good morning, guys. I'm fine. Yeah, we were just having a um and, and thank you for, for chatting with us. Um, are you still major Duke Barnes or how does that work? Well, according to the practices and customs of the Defense Force, um, once you achieve a particular rank, and it will be arguable whether it's captain or major, from my understanding it's major, when you acquire a field rank, um, you can't resign from the battlefield, you retire from the battlefield. So you always hold the, the, um, the rank um, beyond your retirement. So hence, that, that's why that, I should carry yeah, that. Yeah, that is my understanding too, Dirk, but I wasn't sure what rank it was. And you just confirmed it because I remember now the Bacchanal surrounding Gary Griffith when he kept carrying captain and people were saying mm -hmm. he had no right using that 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 rank continuously. And, and major is higher than captain, isn't it? It is. You know, but right. again, it's it's uh, it's arguable on both sides because there's um there are practices in, in different militaries. So he may very well be right. Um, I never got myself involved in the argument because I saw it as nonsensical. We could practice whatever we want here in Trinidad and Tobago. So mm -hmm. that was my view. Right, right. All right. Okay. Well, no problem. So Captain Major, we, we'll continue to call you all that. I'm, 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 I'm good buddies now. I'm good buddies with Admiral Rear Admiral, retired C Chief of Defense of Hayden Pritchard. Pritchard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we, we, do, we do Hayden and Wendell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, uh -huh. well, Major Dirk Barnes, this crime, let me just, let me start off by um, going through our morning poll. All right. And the guys will take it. Uh, our poll this morning was, do you agree that the National Security Joint Select Committee should convene an emergency meeting to discuss the crime surge in Trinidad and Tobago? And, and what would be on the agenda? Because if it's just a crime surge and it's a discussion, not much is going to come out of that. It really comes down to what new initiatives can be practiced outside here, you know, on the streets. Um, when you're talking about a joint select committee, they're talking about policy and strategy. Policy and strategy doesn't take immediate effect. That is something that happens well in the future. Every school of thought will tell you that. What we really need now is some proper management of the Trinidad Tobago Police Service. And that well, actually, morning, morning, Dick, a joint select committee morning. does not come up with policy and strategy. It may, it may examine a situation. It may bring stakeholders before to see how effective they're being like the TT police force. Etc., and they can make recommendations to the parliament or to the, to right, the cabinet. They can and, and, form and, and, no, no policy for the and, cabinet. And I, I will, I will correct my statements, but I'm looking at it from a holistic point of view. If you have that joint select committee, they are going to be informing, as you just said, parliament and and cabinet. 
uh, and they're the policy makers, the strategizers. Well, what it just gives a, 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 an opportunity for is to question significant players in the national security grid to see if they're operating effectively and where there may be gaps and opportunities for improvement. Okay. And I, I hear you on that. Um, I still don't see the value at this point in time because we're talking about 17 killings in one weekend. Um, so, great, we do it. And we have we identify the gaps that are quite evident to us right now. Um, what are those forward. gaps in your opinion? Well, right now it's a management issue, a serious, serious management issue within our law enforcement, um, our law enforcement community. I saw a comment over the weekend, and I'm doubting that the media actually reported that comment, where um, it was said that Mr. Jacob, and it was quoted that um, the Trinidad Tobago Defense Force, you know, is not a true law enforcement agency or something to that effect. In other words, they don't law, they don't do law enforcement activities. And I, I held my I, I was I was starting to second guess my entire existence of my of, of my previous career, because as much as the Defense Force is really and truly a defense agency, they do perform law enforcement functions and they do it sometimes without the police. Case in point, what does the Coast Guard do on the on the waters? That is law enforcement, because they enforce maritime law. And there are other areas as well of law enforcement that the, the Trans-Bigal Defense Force are involved in. So when you have a, an organization head who does not understand the capabilities and the support from particular close stakeholders, and to make a comment like that, it starts to me question his competence. And as we start to talk about competence, from my understanding, the gentleman was not the top scorer, even in the um, in the assessments to be to hold that the office. He hold that office because he was the most senior person. I'm thinking it's time for us to start to recognize that maybe we have square pegs and wrong holes, and we should really have somebody who scored really high, maybe after the top scorer, because we know who the top scorer is and he's not in that position for whatever reason, and have them start a manager the bigger police service because it's a management issue. And we have to call it what it is. If it, if it walks like a, dog, like a duck and talks like a duck, come on. The Trent Tobago Police Service is our premier law enforcement agency. Last November, I will never forget this, last November we saw a press conference that they were calling people off leave. Now, having been in the military for years, working with police officers for years, I know when you call a man off leave, he is demoralized because that is a time for him to, to rest, reflect charge and get back out to work. You call these people off leave. You said you're going to be able to arrest the crime surge because you get these guys. And nothing. We saw it climb. Earlier this year, I think it was July, August, he did the same strategy, expecting different results. We saw a crime surge. Now we have 110 brand new recruits who know nothing. And we are being told that we must expect that these new recruits are going to cause an, an, an arrest of crime. Come on. This is a management and deployment issue. We have officers outside here that are very willing, but they're just demoralized. I have first-hand knowledge of visiting a police station 6 o'clock in the morning while outside there on operations supporting the police. And when I got to the station, there was one officer inside of the, um, inside of the station. This is, not, this is not joke. This is fact. This is not lie. This is not defamation. This is what, I, what happened to me. One officer in an entire cent- um, police station in Santa Cruz. And when I asked the question, everybody, this is a normal thing here. The, the higher-ups don't know. 
they're not doing anything about it. And you've seen the, the, the tiredness on the, on, on the officer's face. So we can't be expecting miracles when we have poor management of the resources that we our, our taxes are paying. That is the reality, guys. Whether you want to face it or not, if you feel a lie, you can go and ask. Hello? Yeah, sorry. Do, let's talk about the, the, the type of ammunition, sorry, the type of uh, arms we're seeing in the country. I read an article earlier on uh, in the Newsday, which indicated that the police have seized 580 guns of those 102 AR-15s and AK-47s. Uh, what what does that tell you as a, somebody who is trained and experienced in dealing with arms and ammunition? Trinidad Tobago is a war zone to start with. Um, now, when you're talking about AR-15s, AK-47s, and you'll probably see more AR-15s because they're easier to acquire and it's easier to get compatible ammunition for it, especially when you have the police service armory and the um, the defense force armory operating as, as ammunition dealers. The issue with the AR-15, the wrong, it, the caliber of wrong, that 5.56 millimeter, it's a very, in wrong hands, it's a devastating wrong. Um, as compared to what you would see in a pistol, a 9mm um, pistol, we're talking about a wrong that is traveling three times as fast and delivering about three times as, as much energy. Basically, that wrong passes into, or goes into the body. It causes significant bleeding that will put that person into shock. You know, probably on the first or second wrong, depending on how well... The but, but Dirk, I mean, treat us like total novices where guns are concerned. And tell us, because I don't think the public understands what an AR-15 or AK-47 really means in the hands of the criminals in Trinidad and Tobago. From a global perspective, what are these weapons usually used for and, and what are they capable of in terms of mass casualties? All right, so, um, well, the thing is, as, an, as a whole weapon, as a weapon expert, I would, you would not like the response to this. The, AK, the um, AR-15, let's talk about it specifically, is really a sport hunting rifle. The variant of that is what we're all familiar with, which is the M16 and the M16 or the M4. Those are weapons that are normally put out into, um, that are normally used in conflicts and battles and skirmishes. Let's call it AKA war. Now, the difference between the two is that the M16 is normally an automatic um, weapon, where the AR-15 is a semi-automatic, as in you pull the trigger once, one round goes downrange. Now, what happens most of the time is that is a lot of the M16 or variants or modified versions of it that ends up into the hands of criminals, but it looks just like an AR-15, so everybody calls it an AR-15. I have to be very mindful because I, too, am a, I'm an owner of an AR-15. My AR-15 is, is really for the defense of my dealership. It is there for, um, for sport and all these different things. However, if even though it's the same weapon, you wouldn't find my weapon... In, in a war-type scenario. Similarly, once you start to classify the weapons, I want to make sure that people understand the difference because what these bandits are using most of the times is the automatic version of the weapon, which is the devastating part of it. Because once you spray and pray, you have 5.56 rounds 
heading downrange towards their target and anybody else who's lying behind it. And that's what makes it really, really dangerous. Those, it's not the weapon per se that is the dangerous part of the components, you know. It's the ammunition. It's the wrong that is traveling downrange and does the devastation. So when you have criminals who do not have proper training, who are using these weapons out in the open, and half the time, they're not even looking down their sights. They're just spraying in the direction of the, uh, the enemy that they, that they have. People who are in the area are the ones who are going to be injured, and we're seeing more and more of that. So, yes, those weapons in the hands of criminals is a very dangerous thing. And when the police are taking them off the streets, we have to be thankful that they are off the streets. But those operations have to be more progressive. Recently, we know of a seizure that took place in one of the bonds in Trinidad and Tobago. We also heard that in the United States, three people were arrested for shipping weapons to Trinidad and Tobago. Now, I highly suspect that the reason why no, no arrests were made here in Trinidad is because somebody within our national security apparatus tipped off the receiver. I highly suspect. Because there's no reason why a controlled drop could not have been done, so we would have known exactly who was the person bringing the, the firearms. But we have issues. I've said this before on this show, and I will continue to say this. Our customs and excise who are charged with making sure that they could be the, the guardians of our, of our um, uh, community, they are dropping the ball constantly because within those services, you have people who are compromised. But if, if the National Security Minister and the Commissioner of Police have consistently said that most of these weapons are coming through illegal ports, what does that say about the real will to stop this flow? Coming through, uh, is that kind of quickly, coming through illegal or illegal ports? Legal ports. Okay, good. Um, it says that we don't have much political will to stop this. Because we know this is coming through the, the legal ports. Our international partners have been working with us. They have been, uh, they have been alerting us. They have been telling us. They have been giving us information. And within our own apparatus, we are being compromised. For weapons to come into China to be able to keep in mind, these weapons have to be scanned. And they're coming through, as you just said, legal ports. That is the, the um, shipping ports, the airports. They're coming through as parts, camouflage in containers, camouflage in barrels. All of these things have to pass through scanners. Now we're going to be hearing that people are trained to use the scanners or the scanners are down and all these different things. That All of those things require government to provide necessary releases to keep those things up. So if these things are happening and it's a constant complaint, we really need a joint select committee to come and, and ascertain that. We are, we are doing the work of the joint select committee here right now on this particular show. It is common sense. These matters need to be addressed and need to be given priority. These guns that are on the street here right now did not come in last week. They were coming in over years. The initiatives that are taking place of bringing these guns didn't start its, its, its process of, of... It didn't initiate a process yesterday. This thing started two, three years ago. So what we are seeing here right now is the failure of our government and its apparatus two years ago and beyond. And what and what what are the ammunition being used with these weapons? Certainly, you can bring guns in, but where are they accessing the ammunition? Is it illegal smuggling uh, systems? And and well, is it that? And someone sent this question to, for me to ask: What sort of checks and balances do we have, if any, for possibly the criminal element to be accessing uh, ammunition 
from local dealers. Is that a possibility? Right. So this is that last question I will answer first and I will work backwards. I can, I can speak for myself when it comes to ammunition ending up out, outside here from a local dealer, specifically myself, because I'm a gun dealer. And as a gun dealer, I am required to ensure that I, I have my books and everything in, uh, ready for audit. Now, from the minute you become a gun dealer, we have this huge book. It's called, um, it's called your register, the ammunition register. You put the amount of ammunition that you would have shipped into the country, and for every time you sold or you used to training, you have to come down and draw down on that ammunition. You keep a record of the day, time, and all these different things. Now, that is supposed to be audited by the Trans Tobago Police Service and signed off upon. A count is done. Now, for larger dealers who bring in millions of rounds at a point in time, of course, that's going to become a bit, a bit more difficult. Now, let's work backwards. When those wrongs come into the country, they pass through customs. I have actually had customs inspect my shipments where they counted every single wrong. It took hours. So I am aware that there are good custom officers who would do the job. So for an organization like mine, where we would keep our, keep our ammunition accounted for, I can show where all the ammunition was used and who it was sold to, and it will also correspond to what we have in stock. I do not see wrongs that I brought into the country ending up into the hands of criminals. Other dealers are supposed to be doing the same thing. And the dealers that I know, a lot of them are as meticulous as I am. Now, what we have been seeing, however, is two other types of instances. One, when a lot of these guns come in, they don't come in guns alone. They sometimes have ammunition with them. Most times they have ammunition with them. So it means that not only are the, these guys bringing in their guns, they're bringing in their ammunition. The other thing that we are seeing is while everybody wants to turn a torchlight and put it on the gun dealers and say somehow the gun dealers are part of this, this whole criminal enterprise, what we are actually seeing is the law enforcement agencies putting the, the ammunition into the, um, the hands of these criminals. Just this weekend, it was reported that 5.56 wrongs belonging to a Trans-Tobago Defense Force was found on the scene. I didn't see the chief of defense staff and handcuffs. Before that, we saw Sri and Tobago police service wrongs end up on, on, on scenes. We did not see the commissioner of police on handcuffs. So we have to be very mindful that when you try to paint a narrative that the gun dealers are, are the ones who are, are involved in these things, it's right, the people who, who you entrust with your safety who are sometimes involved. Oh, why no. should the chief of defense staff or the commissioner of police be in handcuffs? Because ammunition from the TT defense force the TT police service were found on crime scenes. I'm not saying I'm not saying that this should be. What I'm I'm joining. But you just mentioned it. I said we did not see them in handcuffs. I did not say they should be. But what I'm coming back there's, to, there's I'm an implication in making that statement, though. I'm using some figurative, uh, some figurative. Oh, um, okay, I just wanted to make sure it's figurative. It's just figurative. But I'm I'm saying that from the 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 onset of one gun dealer was recently arrested, and he was arrested for having certain things in his possession not putting anything out into the um into the the community yeah, by the way he wasn't arrested for selling ammunition to gun to, to criminals or selling weapons to criminals he was arrested for possession of things he should not have had which from my understanding he had for quite a long time because he was always he's a supplier made a supplier for the same military and the police and since then a huge spotlight 
has been put on to all of the gun dealers, inclusive of myself. I'm still waiting for my order to take place. Um, I have all my books ready for them. And a different narrative has been spread across the, the trans bagel that now the gun dealers are involved in crime. So I'm, I'm saying that, you know, sometimes you have to look at it from a point. And that, and that by the way, Paul, is literally what's happening. That's literal. So just as you were offended by the fact that I would have said something figuratively, imagine how I, we I wasn't offended that if, if you make a statement on national radio that's being streamed, that because bullets, ammunition from the TT Defense Force, the police service, have been found on crime scenes, and you don't see the commissioner of police or the chief of defense staff in, in handcuffs, there's an implication to a statement like that. So we, we, we must clarify and or challenge a statement like that. Well, and, and my statement... Because my, if, if someone finds ammunition registered to Dirk Bans in a crime scene and someone makes that statement, I'll challenge it just the same way. It doesn't mean that Dirk Bans committed a crime. Well, interestingly enough, I like just... I, I love what you just said, um, Paul. I love what you just said. Because in some time in the future, I hope I'm back on this show and we can come back to this particular sound clip because you would recognize that right now, Firearm dealers are being put under heavy scrutiny, being treated like criminals. One particular firearm dealer, there's no evidence, there was no report against him, there was nothing. Was was building was raided, house was was raided. He cooperated fully. There was nothing found, and now he has the the, the authorities in court. This is the mindset that currently exists. And while all of that was taking place, his name was being drawn through the mud. Because they were behaving as though, yes, he's, some, he's involved in something. He's from a, a big family. So it's a matter of time until it all comes out. This is what I'm saying. They're treating the wrong people like criminals just because one person, one person did something with very poor judgment. Now, there's a bigger narrative. There's a bigger reason for all of this happening. Something I, I ought not to discuss on radio. And but, which is, you're not going to just say that and think we're not going to ask you what it is. What is the bigger narrative? Is, is there an agenda for here? Of course there is an agenda. And the bigger, the, agenda? Is, the, 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 the agenda here right now is the fact that you have firearm dealers who, who were part and mentioned in something called a probe. That's a bigger agenda. And because firearm dealers were mentioned in a probe, in an audit that is currently before our, uh, our um, prime minister, we are now under some level of scrutiny. And it's a, it's a ridiculous level of scrutiny. We are being treated like criminals. So when what a is this, dealer, what, what is the status of, when you say that, oh, so there, 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 there is an extensive audit going on of your systems, is that it? Well, the Pusher and Tobago police are required to audit all firearm dealers periodically as required in law. That's in Chapter 1601. That's in law. The challenge I have here, the audit is not, well, we're here to conduct an audit. That's not, that's not it. They're not going to get a call and then they're going to fix a date and all of these different things. That's not what happened. And that's what used to happen. What is happening now is that a bunch of officers are showing up. We're here to conduct an audit and we have a warrant and we go to your house and all these different things. That is not an audit. That's a witch hunt. So there's a so big difference. You think that, that, that um, dealers are being unfairly targeted? Is that, is that the statement? From my observation, yes, we are. And but you that, think that's, that's because you've ended up in, in the report 
for some reason, or or some dealers in Germany have ended up in the report. I don't even see. I wouldn't. Even, I don't. I've not. I've not seen the report. So it's mere speculation. But from my mm-hmm. observations, what I'm seeing happening now, in terms of dealers being um, visited, the kind of things that we are hearing and all that kind of stuff, it is clearly a witch hunt. And I don't know what you're looking for. I am a law-abiding citizen. I have. I don't even break the speed limit. Everything that I do as a dealer is above board, and I am waiting for my audit. Let, let, let me draw a different component into this. There, but while I'm waiting yeah. for all of this to happen, there are different communities of people who are right now shunning themselves from, from people like me because we are seen as though we are somehow um, feeding the criminal enterprise. And these things, this is why I'm very anxious for my audit, because these things are damaging our reputations, reputations that we spend a lot of time to build. Go ahead, Abra. And while this focus is being placed, in your words, on legitimate gun dealers in the country, do you think enough emphasis is being placed on the unregulated private security industry? Unregulated. Um, I do not see any type of oversight over the unregulated part of the security industry. I am aware that there's there's a private security industries bill currently um, being considered. I do believe the bill has some significant shortcomings that opens up liability to a lot of companies. Um, and I welcome the bill, but I believe certain changes need to be made. Like, for example, right now within the industry, as we fall under the Supplemental Police Act, we have the powers of arrest. We have what we call precepts because we are sworn officers. The new bill removes that and basically puts us back into the realm of conducting a citizen's arrest or a detention as necessary, from my interpretation. And from no, well, the, the new bill was, because I had cited by the committee, has provisions for the application of licenses, which in some of those licenses will give some of those powers to specific officers. And I, and again, but here's where you, 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 you did not consider. You have special service officers. You have security officers, which are like guards, and you, you went and you defined the, um, the, the different duties. You know, Paul, nobody, contact, nobody spoke to companies, even though I provided this information to the Joint Select Committee. Nobody really consulted companies that do first responder um, operations. You know, so companies... I think there was a, a general call for responses to the bill in the early stages of deliberations that was wide and open to anyone who wanted to send uh, either written submissions or be a guest as one of the stakeholders for the committees. Well, and I made written submissions. It was recorded in the minutes. It's there on the parliament site, and the committee ignored everything. I highlighted the fact that, one... For companies that are doing response, like for instance, my company or one of my companies, we are outside there recovering stolen vehicles on behalf of customers. When that bill kicks in, you have basically removed all of the immunities that we currently enjoy for those operations and rest all of the liability on the owner of the company and ensuring that the officers outside there are not covered in their operations. We no longer have precepts. If I go out and I recover a stolen vehicle, police haven't arrived as yet and the the people are on. Um, the people are there, um, or somebody is in precept, uh, in receipt of that particular vehicle. I cannot arrest them. I cannot even hold them. I cannot detain them. I have to let them go. 
It was an oversight. And we well, provided that in my and, document. But I will send that to you all. Hopefully, also. if it comes to the Parliament, those points can be raised and amendments hopefully can be made. I, I would hope so. But I will send you the yeah. I will send you the document I sent. But if you also go to the you look at the Joint Select Committee, I, the uh, the submission from Air Support Tactical was was recorded, but nothing was nothing changed from when I sent that in. I'm not one of those people that sit down and just let things roll out. I'm not that type of person. I get involved. But well, as you yeah. come back to your original Everyone question, should. as I come back to your original question, the unregulated security industry is it's a big issue because you have officers outside there putting themselves in their harm's way who are not trained, and some of them are behaving as though they are, they are law enforcement. But I would also want to throw another dynamic for you. The other challenge that I am... Well, in, in addition to that, let me just add this. The, mm -hmm. the vetting processes for some of these companies are sketchy as hell, and they drag people off the streets and put firearms in their hands. No, that, that, is, that, that is not true. An unregulated, okay. um, uh, unregulated. That, that's company. what the word unregulated means. No one is checking. Well, okay. So you know, you're talking about an approved security company. Because I, I, I need yes, to but, but but it's but it's unregulated to the point that the checks and balances to ensure that the persons who have access to firearms and ammunition are not being done consistently. That's what it, the unregulated part of it means. Okay. So if an officer an officer to carry a firearm legitimately with a security company, whether it's regulated or not. And I'm talking about a secure uh, 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 company com that is approved. He must go through an investigation, just like anybody else who applies for a firearm. The Trans Tobago Police Service wouldn't just give the the security company the permission for that person to carry a firearm because he has a, the company has to apply for an FUEC, a firearms user employee certificate from the TTPS for that particular employee. So that is a, a, a point of regulation and oversight on behalf of the CTPS, and an investigation has to be done. The challenge is that the investigation is done by um, retirees in most cases, and most of the times it's retired police officers that the company must contract. So I welcome the fact that you're now going to have a regulatory um, body when we come out to the private security industries. Well, I welcome that particular fact. Um, it's going to cause things like training to be standardized. It's going to cause investigations to be standardized. So I am not one of those people who are against the bill at all. I am saying that the bill have to include some things to cover companies that currently exist in particular operations. That is what I am suggesting. All right, Dirk. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time and contribution this morning. Oh, always a pleasure, guys. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Major Dirk Barnes, for being on the Power Breakfast Recording Show this morning. Stopped. All right. Um, as we head up towards our 8 o'clock news brief, um, on this, the last day of October. Big holiday in the U.S. It's Halloween. Paul, Richard, Wendell, they always wear their costumes um, every, day of the, every day of the year. I have to put on my ghost outfit which I did a little while ago. I just took it off because I can't see the board. Nope, can't see it. And I can't see the messages. Any messages coming through? Uh, a couple from Chris and Miss Ingrid. All right. Um, all right, as we head up towards uh, 8 o'clock news brief, all powered by Champlain Auto Services.
Uh, yeah, all right. Of course, they're right there on the eastern main road, opposite Carrier Brewery. Can't miss them. Anything to do with your vehicle, they do fleet management as well. Um, all at Champlain Auto. And just a reminder, our morning poll, still vote on it. It's on until tomorrow morning. Um, and it is simple. Do you agree that the National Security Joint Select Committee should convene an emergency meeting to discuss the crime surge in Trinidad and Tobago? All right, that's our poll this morning. Of course, it's going to stay up until tomorrow morning uh, when we give you the final results. All right, let's get into our 8 o'clock news brief. Good to see Sean Auto. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.